right, we're live. What's up, everybody? My name is Tyler Dunn with Goals and Updates. We're on episode 98, and it's uh, we're two episodes away from 100, so it should be pretty interesting. <clears throat> the next two uh, two episodes, or at least when I get to the second episode and I get to the 100th episode, it's going to be pretty you know, pretty amazing for me. It's going to be a cool feeling for me. I'm, I know there's a lot of people that uh, you know come on here once in a while and are pretty amazed that I'm almost on 100 episodes. So that's pretty interesting for me. Let me just get this up and running on Instagram and then we'll get this show going. So <clears throat> we're live on Facebook. We're live on Instagram. So if you're new to this show, the reason it's called goals and updates is because I update you in the beginning of the portion, which is like the first 20, 30 minutes. I do my updates so I can show you that the stuff that I'm telling you in the topics, I'm trying to adapt into my own life. And at the same time, you can see that, you know, I'm not perfect as well. You could see, you know, you could see my, you know, me trying to basically cut through my humanness, as I should say, right? And as I show you my mistakes, I'm trying to fix them and change myself into a into the person that I want to be, right? So that's where I get a lot of these topics from either failure within my life or things that are just happening that I'm trying to outdo myself and take on new roles in life and new leadership roles. So we're going to start off by doing the updates, and then I go into the two topics. Now, the two topics I have for today's episode is take responsibility and don't blame others. The second topic is going to be have a voice for yourself. Now, and then we'll talk about Dundee Investments at the end, which is my company. Now, we're going to start off with the updates. So I have a lot of updates for this week. A lot of things have happened, which have been uh, pretty amazing. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. So the first one that I can update you guys on, which I do a lot, is, is my work right now. So for full-time, this full-time job that I'm doing with uh, this company, Cross Country Home Services, which is a home warranty company. I've been trying to outdo myself within this organization. And right now what I'm doing is a lot of email responses. And so they time you, you have to clock in at a certain, you know, you have everything set up perfectly where you have to basically clock in at a certain time. You only have two 15 minute breaks, 30 minute lunch, and then they, they clock and track your productivity. So you're supposed to do at least six emails an hour. Uh, for most people that probably don't know is they give you two bonuses every single month that's added on to your onto your uh, <clears throat> monthly income right or your monthly paycheck so how it works is the first 150 would be um, if you inherit like they call it your inheritance which is basically like if you're clocking in on time and you're not overextending your breaks you're not going past lunch basically just clocking in on the on the phone itself properly and tracking your time properly and hitting all your things not being late that they penalize you for obviously so all that stuff is added into that portion and that's 150 if you can get 95% or above of that month they'll give you $150 extra bonus now to get the next 150 which would total to $300 extra on a bonus every single month you have to hit 120% productivity or above. Now, it sounds like it's not that bad, but sometimes you get emails where they're, they take a little bit more time than the other, and then sometimes you're kind of lost. So you, it takes, you know, time itself is, is tricky until you kind of get into the position where you're like, okay, this goes here. You take a, a little bit of a glimpse, you read a little bit, and you understand that, all right, this email is going to go here. So you have to get at least 120% or above to get that extra 150. Now, 
I've sat in the one-on-one -on -one today because every we're on what Wednesday. So every single Wednesday they'd call what a one-on-one -on -one, and my, my manager will physically sit with me and go, okay, this is what you did wrong this is how you can get this number up this is what you can do to get here. Right? So at the one-on-one, -on -one, they show you the overall month. So for the last three weeks, I've been at, I think a steady 138 or above, like the other two months, I think were like 148. So I got one more week, which I got to finish out the, the rest of this week strong. And then next half next week, and I should receive that extra 150. So I should get a $300 bonus for the month. And that's been a, that's been a goal that I've been trying to reach here for the last four months I've been working at this company. So just to show you that I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to show you this stuff to brag. I'm trying to show you that I'm setting goals for myself, whether it's work, whether it's personal. And that's why this show is called goals and updates. Cause I'm trying to give you a little inside peek of uh, the goals that I'm trying to set for myself and that I'm trying to, you know, get myself to a point where I can be proud of myself. And that's what matters, right? Matters if you're happy with yourself, not what other people uh, kind of, you know, what other people think of you. It's, it's, it's you. That's how you get out of depression. That's how you kind of get more motivated in your own life. It's how you get energy. You want to, you know, figure out what you want in life, set those goals and accomplish them. So that's a big one. I'll let you guys know if I hit that. I'm, I'm almost positive I'm going to hit that because I'm just amped. The whole entire, you know, the last three weeks, I've just been, all right, I got to hit these numbers. I got to hit these numbers. So I'm definitely going to get that. The other thing I want to update you guys on is um, I took a phone call before I came on here and ate and all that good stuff. I took a phone call with one of my friends and he updated me on, they wanted to do like an international trip. And they've been kind of talking to me about, you know, going out of the country, out of the United States and going to a different country. At first they were talking about, I believe it was uh, the Dominican Republic. I don't know what, what happened to that idea, but that kind of, I guess, went out the window. And he told me today, he's like, hey, I'm going to give you at least a year notice. He's like, my cousin is getting married. And he's like, uh, we're going to end up going to Greece. And he's like, I really want you to come with us. So he gave me about a one-year notice to go, you know, get money right, get passports, get all this stuff together and be able to go on this trip. Now, I thought about it because I had a funny feeling What's up, Dustin? I had a funny feeling that he was going to offer me this opportunity to go with his family. I think they want to go for at least a week, a week and a half, probably a little, I mean, around that time frame. And I, I knew this was coming, right? That he was going to offer me to go with him and his, to his, go meet his family in Greece. Now, I didn't, you know, I, I, I've never been outside of the country, really. I've been, the closest I've been out of the country was Niagara Falls on the Canadian side, where you cross the border over to Niagara Falls. I've never been out of the country like physically before besides that point. I don't really consider that being outside the country only for the fact, you know, you're a couple steps across the border. Right. So I don't, I don't really consider that being out of the country really. What's up, man. I haven't seen you in a while, but, um, but so th that's a cool thing, right. Is being able to, I, I created this, I've known my friend Jimmy for, I think now like nine years and I've been through a lot of different ups and downs and different things that have gone on. But with Jimmy, it's never, it's never really been, you know, it's always been like, I consider him as family. So for me, it's kind of, it's kind of crazy that he thinks of me as, you know, part of the family where he's going to take me to Greece. And that was something that was really crazy for me in the moment of time when he's like, Hey man, I'm giving you a year notice. We're going, we're going to book tickets here. We're going to go do this, go get your passport, go do this. And that was kind of something that, you know, took me by surprise. I didn't think he was really going to do that, but um, not that I didn't think he was going to do it. I, I, I was just kind of shocked that, you know, it was, it was 
one of those things where I didn't, I've never thought about going to Greece really. Like obviously I don't have family there. I don't have any, um, you know, it's on my bucket list, but which I say about like every, every uh, country it's on my bucket list. Right. But I've never physically had a desire to go to Greece, which I've seen pictures of Greece. It's, it's one of the you know most beautiful countries you could probably go to. It's, you know, massive oceans there. It's, it's cool. But um, I talk a lot when I go to, you know, with his family and they talk a lot about Greece, obviously, because that's where they're from. And he tells me the history and all this stuff is uh, his father. And it's really interesting. And that's why I think, you know, his family is like, hey, we got to take him to Greece. Right. Because he's interested. He's intrigued. Like he's not he's not like stuck up and he and he it's not like he doesn't want to go and learn about the culture or learn anything. And, you know, I just I, I bond well with them. They're just amazing people. So that's really, really cool. That's a cool update I get to share with you now. The other ones I want to go over is I went and did. Oh, I started reading a little bit and this, you know, depending on who you are, you're probably not going to really care. But I started reading this book over here which is uh, the Bible, okay? So I started reading some scriptures every single morning. I set up a goal because I go to church every Sunday. Obviously, they read the Bible. Um, and, you know, I talk a lot about, like, faith. You know, you want to go and get a faith no matter what it is. And I have tons of I have tons of friends that have different faiths. Um, the one person I hang out with a lot, Ashma, she's hin- uh, Hindu. So, they, you know, it's all Hinduism and, and all, that, all that stuff. But um, I, I've, I've been raised a Catholic. Right. So I and I've never picked up. I've never really looked at the Bible before. I've never read scriptures. I've always heard them in church every single Sunday where they read three verses from the Bible. But I've never physically read it, you know, uh, dive deep inside of it and actually, you know, looked a lot into it. And I do. I listen to a lot of motivational videos and all of them talk about scriptures. So that's kind of why I kind of wanted to put a you know goal in place to build a little bit more of my faith up and be like, hey, Next time they read this, I understand what they're saying. Um, Obviously, the Bible is massive. This one that I showed you has the New Testament, the Old Testament, and I can't think of the other one. It's uh, it's the New Testament, the Old Testament, and something something else that I just can't for some reason my brain won't won't you know spill the beans out on that one. But um, that's why I kind of put that goal into place. Every single morning, I'm going to read a verse or two in that Bible. And I'm just going to randomly open it up because I've had debates on this with different people. I sat and had drinks with the priest before at my, at my church had, you know, had some whiskey, whiskey neats with him. And I was just like, Hey, how do I do this? Because I'm like, I I, I hear so many different things where I can't read it from cover to cover. I kind of have to just open it and read a couple of the the scriptures or, you know, of that, that morning that I opened it up to and just kind of relate it to myself. And, and, you know, from him, the, that priest that I was talking to was like, yeah, it's probably the best way to do it is if you read it from cover to cover, you're not really going to understand what's going on. It's not, it's not like reading a regular book um, from page one to page, you know, 300. So you can't, so you kind of have to pick, you know, open it up randomly and pick things. So that's what I started doing. And it actually has made me a little bit more. Um, I've been able to relate a lot more to a lot of different things because of the scriptures. Now, you know, some people might not really care that I'm reading scriptures. You might, you know, I might be an atheist. You might be someone that doesn't really believe in God, but um, you know, that's just one of my updates that I have. I'm just, I'm really a really big believer that, you know, you really should have some type of faith in your life only for the fact that the faith is what kind of glues everything together. If you're um, spiraling out of control, your faith normally gravitates you back into that that uh, that sane direction where you're trying to get yourself back on track. It's normally what faith normally does. 
Now, and if you want to go listen to me talking about faith, uh, I don't remember what episode, but it's 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 uh, probably like the 80th episode, somewhere in the 80s, somewhere in the 70s or 80s episodes. But I talk about you know having faith and why it's important and why certain people gravitate toward faith and, and whatnot. So that's one update. Now, the next one would be Toastmasters because I went to Toastmasters. I go to Toastmasters every single Tuesday. It's at the Denny's over on Oakland in Fort Lauderdale, Oakland Park. And power line. If you guys are interested, let me know. I'll give you the details. But it's a skill that no one talks about. Your public speaking. You've probably heard about it. You probably were pissed that you had to, you know, present some projects in high school or middle school. And you're probably pissed that in college, if you're going towards your AA, I don't know if they do it in the AS uh, degree, but in your AA, you normally have to go for public speaking. It's kind of what Toastmasters is, but a, a lot better. Now, Toastmasters, they have three different things. They have the table topics which is just you thinking on your feet really quick. So they'll give you a random topic, uh, which yesterday it was kind of interesting. She took a bunch of pictures from magazines or little cutouts of cartoons and you picked one blindly out of the stack and you'd have to you look at the, the picture and come up with some type of story or some type of description of the picture in your own words for about a minute and a half to two and a half minutes. Now, it sounds easy, right, a minute and a half to two and a half minutes, but I, I, we had a couple guests that did it, and they were up there, and this one guy was just, like, describing the bear. It was a bear looking really, um, just like a distressed bear looking at a camper, and the camper looked shocked, and he was and shocked, and he was just like, all right, there's a bear, and, he, and he's going through, and he's like, damn, and they have a light, so the this, I got to explain this so you understand, but there's a light, and it goes green once you get to 30 um, – a minute, then it goes to yellow when you get to like a minute and a half, then it goes to like red when there's at two minutes, and then they flash the light when it gets to about two and a half, uh, two and a half minutes. So he, he's he's doing the he's doing his little uh, play on words, right? And he's like, so it's a bear, and he's like, the camper looks like it's like he's scared, and every single couple of seconds he's like, wow, this time is just not going by, <laughs> and he's like, I'm just waiting for the clock to go up. And it was just funny because, you know, it's probably his first time ever doing a table topics. I don't think he's ever done one. But the whole point of table topics is to get you thinking fast on your feet. So you're a fast thinker when you're talking. Most of the time when you present something, you don't have a lot of time to do research and pick up the knowledge. So that's what the table topics is doing. Now, the next thing they go into is the speeches, the prepared speeches. Now, these speeches are prepared. Now, I will let you know that I've won speeches majority of the time where I didn't prepare that well. I, I went through it a couple times and you know, I put some things on a, a flashcard to give me um, you know, an example or to give me a, a topic to talk about just so I could see it on paper so I, I wouldn't forget and have brain uh, like a brain freeze or um, some type of uh, a brain fart as they would say, where my mind, I got nervous enough where my mind just couldn't think about what I had to say, right? So that's why I kind of use the flashcards. Now, and I only use one and I just do bullet points, little, little minor bullet points just to get me on, you know, stay on topic, stay on topic. Cause that's kind of what my problem is. I, I gravitate toward a lot of, a lot of different things. I get excited. So that's kind of, you know, what I do is the flashcard. Now, um, I won that table topic yesterday, which was pretty interesting, but, uh, the prepared speech is what it is, is, you know, you kind of, you kind of prepare, you come up with these speeches and then you present them and they're normally a lot longer. It's normally six and a half to seven and a half minutes. 
So if you're having trouble with a minute and a half to two and a half minutes, you know, you're probably going to struggle a lot with the five and a half or the six and a half to seven and a half minutes because it's, it's, you know, it's more developed. It's, you gotta, you gotta really speak. And those are what really gets you into a good position with public speaking, because it's almost like if you look at Kevin Hart, right? Kevin Hart does our, you know, an hour uh, comedy skit, or he does an hour and a half of live comedy. And so you have to think to yourself, you know, six and a half to seven and a half minutes beats nothing compared to the hour or the hour and a half that, a, you know, a comedian will go up there and really talk and do these skits and present, you know, this information in, in funny ways and try to get the crowd to laugh. But the point is, is it, it makes you physically have to talk longer and you have to be more precise to gravitate the, or, the audience to you. So the, the public speaking part of it is really the, the prepared speeches. Now, the other one would be evaluations, which is after, and the evaluators will critique the speech and be like, hey, I really liked how you walked around the room and it was really engaging, but you, know, you weren't really enthusiastic at this point where you should have been or you should have done this. So they're giving you critique and feedback to get you to a better point of a public speaker, which is probably the most crucial element of, of it all, basically, because they're going to help you and they're going to pick out when they're watching your speech, what's kind of wrong with it and how you can enhance it, what you did good to keep and what maybe you should work on. So that's how you get better at public speaking with Toastmasters. Public speaking in high school when you're presenting doesn't really do that. They kind of just, you present and they go, okay, congratulations. They give you a grade and that's basically it. They don't really critique you on the physical public speaking part, just on what you're presenting, the information. That's what I kind of noticed with public speaking in college. Now, um, so that's table topics, which I, I won. Now, if you're interested and you want to look up kind of little snip, like snippets of, of people speaking or uh, the winners and stuff like that, you can go to the, the, to the Great Fort Lauderdale Toastmasters. That's the name of the club in Fort Lauderdale that I go to. The Great Fort Lauderdale Toastmasters, I believe 2004, on Facebook and look them up. And I'm running right now as vice, pre or vice president of PR, public relations, the social media pages. So I'm taking videos of the, of the speeches and putting them up there, doing little pictures, you know, putting the winners up. So you can go there and go check it out and go see. And, and if you go there too, they'll have where the location is for uh, that Toastmasters club. So that's something that you really want to, you know, consider is public speaking. Most people run away from it. As you can tell, if you watch episode like one to like 30, I believe, you'll understand how my speaking got a lot better once I started Toastmasters. I mean, I've had so many people tell me that, uh, you know, I don't say ums a lot. I believe like the first 10 episodes or the first 15 episodes is just ums, likes, uh, right? I have a lot of crutch words and I fixed it because in Toastmasters, they ding you for it. They ding a bell and they'll be like, at the end, they'll be like, hey, Tyler, you said 15 ums and you said three likes. So they, they help you critique it. So if that's something you're interested in with public speaking, Toastmasters, by the way, it's an international club. They have it in China. They have it in, um, what's up? I can't, I, I don't really know how to say your, uh, your username, but what's up? Um, but so the point is with Toastmasters, it's an international club. You have China, they, they have, they have it in Greece. They have it all across the world. And when they do competitions, they do like international competitions. So you know, that, and maybe you don't want to join it to compete, but maybe, you know, you might change your mind if you do join it and do a couple speeches and go, wow, this is really fun. I do like this, but it's really to get you as a better public speaking and use that skill. I can't, I can't really say it enough where 
are emphasizing enough where you use that skill public speaking every single day. Even when you're talking to some random dude on the street or some random gal or, uh, you know, anyone that you're talking to that's public speaking, you're speaking to someone that you have no idea who they are and you're introducing yourself and you're talking to them about something that maybe you both are relating to. And that's kind of what public speaking is. And, and I've had incidents where I did a topic and someone gave me a note and they're like, Hey, I really liked how you presented the information, but I didn't like the content. It made you look this way, whatever. And I was just like, okay, whatever. Right. And that's just part of it. Right. So it also gives you a little bit of a a better understanding how to take criticism. And a lot of people can't take criticism and that's kind of, you know, it's kind of what that does. It helps that out. So that's Toastmasters. If you're interested, let me know. Now, a couple other things that I got, which is pretty cool with Toastmasters uh, yesterday was I got an opportunity because I was talking about my podcast. And what I try to do is when I do a speech, I try to, they do like a little intro. So like, for instance, like if Kevin Hart, I just use Kevin Hart because everyone knows who that is. But uh, let's say Kevin Hart's going to go up and have an announcer. And Kevin Hart doesn't normally just show up on stage. They announce who Kevin Hart is, right? That's what they kind of do when they introduce you as a speaker at Toastmasters is they'll be like, he's born in New York. His hobbies is uh, creating podcasts called goals and updates right and they do like this intro so what i've been trying to do is promote goals and updates within that niche because what happens is we get a lot of guests what's up andy we get a lot of guests so that's why i try to do that right the goals and updates and put that in there and it's funny because um he messed it up the first time when he did the intro i I put like the and sign and i don't think you recognize the sign i should have just said and which you know lesson learned and he went goals and he's like, I don't know what that is. Updates. So he said goals, updates. And I was like, damn, you missed the and. <laughs> right? So that's kind of important, goals and updates, because they're going to search up goals, updates. And it doesn't sound it doesn't sound legit. It just sounds like scrambled up words. So he kind of did it wrong. So I got to next time put and instead of the little symbol. But anyways, um, I was talking about it there because I talk, you know, I'm trying to I'm trying to get these people to, to, to see me like, hey, man, this kid isn't just coming every Tuesday. And just speaking, like he's actually trying to use this skill and push it in this direction and use it for this, right? Like I'm trying, I'm trying to outdo myself at this club, and I feel like so, a lot of people just want to do it because they have, you know, they have to present something at work or they have to do something, and they're not. I, I mean, I, I could be wrong, right? I could be wrong. I don't know. I can't tell you. I know for a fact, but I just know like a lot of them are not. You can tell like sometimes they're not really serious. You know, it's kind of just a fun activity for them to get out and, and build a skill. For me, I'm taking it serious. Like, I want to hear the criticism. I want to do this. So I talk to certain people that encourage me to go beyond and above and beyond. And when I was talking about the podcast, two opportunities presented itself, which was pretty amazing. I was talking to the the president of the club, which is Daniel, which I've had on this show. I don't remember what episode I interviewed him on, but he was on the show before. And I'm up the podcast. Now, the person behind him, uh, David, who is, you know, been in the club for a very, very long time, works at this library for the last 20, 25 years. Now, he overheard me talking about doing a podcast, and he said, well, he's like, it's kind of interesting that you're bringing that up because he's like, I have this opportunity if you want it, where he's like, you can bring, you can basically talk to the library, we'll schedule you like an hour or so uh, to do like a live presentation at the library, and you can talk about building a podcast. And, you know, the idea of building the podcast didn't, I wasn't intriguing really for me, but the idea of him giving me an opportunity, what's up, mom? 
the, the opportunity to stand in front of an audience, like a live audience and do a presentation was kind of something that was really interesting to me, which was an opp opportunity that presented itself at Toastmasters, which is by the way, is another reason you want to join Toastmasters because it's all networking. You meet people that are like-minded, people that want to, uh, you know, build a skill that most people don't. And every single week we have different guests, right? Like this, uh, yesterday we had like two or three people that I had no idea who they were and I got to, I got to meet them. Well, the one person was district for Toastmasters where he's pretty important. You want to get to know him. Uh, the other two people I think were just guests passing by and I think both of them signed up after, but the point is, I was talking about the podcast and he presented this opportunity where he's like, Hey, I work at the library for the last 20 years. Come do, um, come. He's like, whenever you're ready, let me know. I'll put you on the list to do a public, uh, you know, go on stage and present how to do a podcast. And I was like, you know, at first, like I said, I wasn't, I was like, I don't really want to talk about that, but I'm like, Oh, it's an opportunity to put myself in front of people. Now, it might be more probably young people. I don't think a lot of old people really go to the library. You know, obviously, you probably have one or two, but it's probably going to be more young people, so more like millennials, maybe a little bit uh, before that generation. But the point is, it's going to be an opportunity to present information and get used to speaking in front of a large audience or build that, that group. And that's what I really want to do. That's why I joined Toastmasters is to be able to do this. That's why I have a podcast, right? I want to hit a large audience and talk to a large amount of people and it was an opportunity that presented itself at Toastmasters. So that's pretty cool. Now, the other thing I wanted to update you guys on was, uh, now the second opportunity that presented itself was this guy overheard me talking to the president of the, or the, of that club. And he was like, I was talking about how, um, you know, I'm trying to get certain guests on the show and a lot of people are all for it until the last minute when I'm like, Hey, we're going to do it. And they're like, I, you know, I kind of camera shy. Like, I don't know if I want to do it. I don't know if I'm going to be any good. And I try to tell people, it's just like having a conversation. Like it's, it's, I won't do anything that you're not comfortable doing. I won't do, you know, I'll, you basically make the conversation. We have a little conversation going basically for like 40 minutes to an hour, however, however long you're comfortable. And I'm just the person that's going to structure, make sure we're on topic. Like we're on time. We're not just going into a thousand different topics at once. Like we're kind of just, you know, on topic and we're focused and we're, we're kind of delivering a good quality conversation. That's really all I'm trying to do. Right. But most people have cold feet at the last minute. Like, oh, I'm kind of camera shy. I don't want to do that. So the guy overheard me and he's like, Hey, I would love to come on your podcast. He's like, um, I do a lot of book reviews or reviews on different items on YouTube. And he's like, that'd be something I would love to talk about on your podcast. And I was like, hey, I was like, hey man, if, if you're comfortable, I mean, you sound like you're comfortable in front of a camera if you're doing reviews and you're talking and have a YouTube channel, you could come on the show. I don't care. So I set something up with him where um, he's gonna, we're gonna exchange contact information in the next two weeks. I'm gonna try to get him on the show. We'll work something out. I don't know where that's gonna go. You know, where that's gonna end up going down or when that's gonna happen or where it's gonna be. But the cool thing was, I got two opportunity options with with the podcast. The podcast opened up two opportunities right? Just randomly talking about it. And that's why I say it's very, very crucial when you're, uh, when you have something that you really want to accomplish, you talk about it a lot. But what the biggest problem is someone will create a business or someone will create a podcast or someone will create something and they need to grow it and they don't talk about it at all. They keep it to themselves and no one's going to be able to help you if you don't, if they don't know that you have a podcast, you have a business, you have this. That's why you see me at the end of the podcast. I always do, you know, done deal investments and I promote it because I'm trying to get 
that company more exposure and more, you know, more, uh, more marketed, more exposure. So that's something that I, I talked about on a couple, or I don't know what episode I talked about on that, where you, you got to talk. The more you talk about things, you start seeing more opportunity. That's exactly what happened at Toastmasters, where um, I, I talked about the podcast to, to Daniel, and I talk about it with him because he tells me to go for it. He's, he's a, he's a motiv- he's trying to do the same thing I'm doing motivational speaking. And he actually has a company where he, uh, it's called sit S I T where he's trying to go and, um, kind of be like a, a personal coach for businesses and help motivate people. And me and him are on the same page with a lot of different things, scriptures, you know, religion, a lot of, a lot of the same similar structures that I do is kind of what he does. And that's why I go to him and I talk to him about things because I know he's going to tell me to go for it. He's not going to tell me to like, Hey, you shouldn't do that. It's too, it's too much too stupid. He's going to tell me to go for it. Right. When I won table topics, I went to him and I was, and he was like, Hey, congratulations on winning the table topics. And I was like, I really thought you were going to win. I didn't think I was going to win. And he was like, no, man. He's like, when you did the little uh, spin at the end, he's like, I knew you're going to win. And he's like, you're, and he's the one, by the way, that has encouraged me to try to do competitions. So that's something that's on my, uh, you know, my, my goals list as well for uh, Toastmasters is um, I want to start trying to compete in contests and starts trying to see where I can maneuver into and enhance my public speaking by competing. I, I mean, cause that's, that's what really helps you out is when you start competing. So that's kind of something that I really wanted to do was start competing. And that's why I wanted to go. And I talked to the district person was like, Hey, how do I, how do I get into these contests? I was like, I saw Daniel compete, you know, a couple of weeks ago. How do I get into these contests where he's competing and he's doing like table topics and he's doing humorous speeches and he's doing all this stuff. And he goes, uh, you have to qualify within your club first, which I think we just got something where that's, you know, that's the next thing that's coming up within our club is um, you got to compete within your club. And if you win best table topic or best speaker, then you go to the next round and they're just, there's rounds. And he's like, once you get out of the club, you start going to, you know, contests. And then from there you go into the international one and so on and so forth. Right. So you start competing and you start gravitating to other contests. So, and that's a great way to network as well. Right. Cause you're meeting people from all over the world and people from all of um, all different clubs. So, you know, it's a big thing. Um, I, oh, and real quick, I got one more update and we'll go into these two topics. So Podbean, I got, um, so for anyone that doesn't know, we're on Podbean right now with goals and updates. I have about nine episodes up on there. I'm working on getting episode 15. There's some, I don't know if there's a glitch or, or what, but there's a couple episodes that are missing on Facebook. So I got to figure out something to um, it's going to go from nine to 15 and then so on. So 15 to, uh, you know, up to date now, which is 98. So I got to figure out where the missing episodes are or what's, you know, what it is that, you know, how I can fix that, but it's going to be right now, nine up to nine right now I have up there. So if you want to go and listen to the audios and, you know, be a part of that, you can download the the mobile app, which is uh, Podbean, the mobile app. You just go on your app store and download that. Um, if you're going to go on the website, it's going to be uh, goals and updates. So it's going to be full, you know, goals, G-O-A-L-S and A-N-D updates, uh, U-P-A-D-E-S. And then it's going to be dot or period podbean.com. So that's, that's the link where you can go on the website and go look at that and go check out, uh, you know, the art and stuff like that. And like I said, there's nine episodes up there. So I'm working on every single day, trying to put more episodes on and eventually I'll catch up. And then eventually I'm going to create a YouTube playlist where the segments will be shorter. 
So that'll cut down people saying that they're an hour and a half, two hour podcast, and I can't listen to them. So that's that. Now we're going to go into these, uh, these topics. So the first topic is going to be take responsibility and don't blame others. Now this one's going to be obviously something that uh, a lot of people are going to see the topic and they're going to be like, well, it's easier said than done. Exactly my point. It is a lot easier said than done. It's, it's not easy to, you know, make a mistake or something happens and you constantly tell yourself, Oh, that's my fault. Let me try to fix that. You constantly by nature want to pick out the person that messed up or, or, uh, you know, caused you to spiral out of control or, you know, you became an alcoholic and now you're going to go blame the people that you're hanging out with. And, Oh, it's, it's that person's fault. It's that person's fault. Right. Uh, which is kind of, you know, as they say, playing the victim and you can't get out of playing the victim because once you're the victim, and you start blaming everyone else, you kind of can't get out of the, you know, you kind of can't get out of that mentality. And what you start telling yourself or how do you react to situations is what you tend to become. Now, it obviously sounds self-explanatory, but most people don't realize how they talk to themselves. They don't realize how they're talking to other people. They don't realize how, like, they look at themselves in the mirror and they judge themselves off the back, or they don't realize that, you know, they make a mistake at work and maybe it wasn't your fault. It really was Bob's fault, but you told your manager, Hey, that's not, that's not my fault. That's Bob's fault. Like basically, um, basically get out of my face. And you just lost, you know, you lost a lot of respect to that manager rather than saying, Hey, I'm really, really sorry. Let me fix that for you right now. And let me make a note so I don't make that same mistake again. And that's what I do on the one-on-ones. I never, you know, sometimes my manager will put in front of me on these one-on-ones and go, Hey, like you messed up here. And I'll be like, well, you know, in my mind, I'm like, well, you told me to do this. You told me to do that. Now we're changing all these policies. We're changing this. Of course, I'm probably going to mess up. Right. And in my head, that's what I'm thinking, but I have enough self-discipline with it where I'm like, all right, I know if I say that it's going to cause conflict. We're not going to move ahead. She's not going to like me very much because every single time she tells me, Hey, you messed up here. I make an excuse and I say it's someone else's problem, not my problem. So what I do is I go, oh yeah, I see exactly what you're saying. And I jot down the note. And she's like, hey, you got to pay attention to these notes better and more precise. I put it in my notepad. Pay attention to the notes more, more detailed. You're messing up here, here, and here, right? I never tell her she's wrong when she's telling me something unless it's something that's completely out of my control. And I'm just like, I really can't do that or else I'm going to get jammed up over here. That's when I normally step up and say, you know, it's, I can't, I can't do that. It's just, it's really not possible for me to do that. If I, if you want me to hit this goal over here and she'll, and then that's, you know, and then she'll be like, okay, like I understand what you're saying. And then she'll adapt to it. But my point being is that we just want to blame everyone. You'll see this everywhere. Someone will be waiting in line and they'll be waiting for 20 minutes and they'll automatically be like, it's the cashier's fault. It's the cashier's fault. Now, it might be the cashier's fault, right? Because maybe he's gone slow with scanning the items, but whose fault really was it that got in the line? It was the person that's complaining that they got in the wrong line. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And it's, it's normally like 95% really your own fault. If you really start to look at a bigger picture with it, it's not even, it's going to be probably like 95% your fault, but you're going to tend to want to blame someone else. You're not going to want to take responsibility for it. Um, gas stations, right? Same thing with the line. If you're going to a gas station line and all of a sudden the other person goes out quicker and you're like, damn, I should have went in that line. Right. And you're like, Oh, if this person would just speed it up and move, but you pick the line. Uh, if you bought something and it was overpriced and you find out later on that 
You could have got it cheaper on Amazon. Guess whose fault it was? It's your fault. It's not Publix's fault or it's not Amazon's fault. It's your fault. You decided to go with that vendor or you decided to go with that person that's selling it at a higher price. You know, I can't blame uh, the other the other factors. Now, the where it kind of gets you know tricky with a lot of people is when it comes down to like money or it comes down to some type of like financial, um, financial, I'm trying to think of the word, like financial like assistance or financial issues. That's normally when people start trying to blame other people, like, oh, the bank chipped me on this. Or um, the big one I can give you is like, um, I paid my bills. Like, how come like it didn't go through and like, screw them. Like I paid my bills. Like it's not my fault. But if you would have looked at it, right. And you would have, and you would have kept on making sure that it cleared that check cleared or that, you know, that, that, uh, online bill that you pressed to pay went through, you would be cleared. Right. But it's really your fault. That's what I'm trying to get to you at is most of the stuff you're looking at is your fault, right? The guy cuts you off. All right. And you got into the accident. It's probably your fault. You probably tried to outbeat the guy so he couldn't cut you off. And he ended up trying to go for it anyways and said, screw you. And you could have slowed down, let him in and, and, you know, solve the issue of letting him go. You're not pissed off anymore. He's gone. He's out of your hair. And you could have slowed down, let him in and just let him cruise out of there. Right. That's your fault. Right. Uh, your power goes out. I mean, I've had, I've, I'm pretty sure I've done examples on this before with like, uh, the, the first time I ever read this, by the way, was in a Grant Cardone book. And I'm pretty sure it was like seller be sold was the one that was talking about taking responsibility and that the successful people, the successful individuals take responsibility for everything, literally everything. And the reason you do it is you don't want to give, uh, you want control. You want to be in control of your environment. And if you're blaming everyone else, you're not in control. And, you know, he talks a lot about like politics. He talks a lot about um, he gave an example that I, I talk a lot about, which is like power. And he was saying like, let's say your power went out and you're like, oh, it's not my fault. It's uh, FPNL because I'm in Florida. So FPNL is pretty dominant power player down here, but FPNL, it's their fault. They didn't get their things regulated and they, and it's their fault that a tree hit the, the wire and um, now they got to come out here and they got to fix it and I'm out of power for a certain amount of time. Well, if you were smart enough, you would have a backup generator. That's how you take control of that situation. That seems like it's an uncontrollable situation. That was an example he gave in the seller, uh, seller be sold book. And that's kind of what changed my life was when I started to not play victim anymore. When I started to start looking at things and go, Hey man, I understand this happened to me and maybe it's out of my control, but can I solve this problem and go in a different route for the next time it happens to me? And I started getting out of the victim mentality and I started trying to go and find solutions that would help me in the next case of an emergency. Now, a great example I can give you was um, the guy that did a speech yesterday, which was David, the same guy that offered me the opportunity at the library. He did a speech on, um, it, it, it was in the news, so most people should know this, but there's a water line breakage in Fort Lauderdale. And he gave the, he gave the story of how everything was closed. He didn't have water. He didn't have running water that he could shower in. He didn't have water to drink. He didn't, he, and he, he couldn't cook. He couldn't do anything because he didn't have water. And every place he went to was closed or he went to the supermarket and all the water is gone. And he told himself that, you know, it's a, he went through all the cases of how he couldn't get the water. And he said, finally, after a couple of days of searching for water, a couple of hours searching for the water, 
he finally found a place that had water and he bought just, you know, he bought enough where it would sustain him for a couple of weeks or maybe even a month. And he said, you know, it's the, the lesson I took from it was this is a little, a little, um, prepare, you know, a test that the next time we have hurricanes, do I have enough water in case we have an emergency hurricane? And so what he did was he flipped it. He went from, you know, being kind of upset and mad and he flipped it to basically saying, Hey, this was a test. Like I should be more prepared. I should already have the water on hand and I should have enough water. That's going to get me through an emergency for the next time. And that's kind of what I'm trying to tell you is, you know, how many, I'm sure how many people were pissed and blamed the city of Fort Lauderdale for that water breakage. When in reality, it was their fault for not having enough water for a couple of weeks or maybe a month, right? They should always have enough water for the month or for at least an emergency backup, right? That's the point I'm trying to get to you is the successful never play the victim card. They always find a solution to the problem. They always go on, they try to find, and if something happens to them, they try to prepare for the next time it happens. It goes, okay, this is a, this is a life lesson. I need to do this next time to brace myself for this to happen again. Um, you could do money. Money's a big one. And the reason I'm going to talk about money is I like talking about money. And the reason I like talking about money is because no one talks about money. And this is why a lot of people are broke. Uh, the big thing that I've read statistically speaking is that, uh, 65% of Americans don't even have $400 in a savings account. You know how crazy that is that they live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck, and they don't have any money that they pay themselves every single, um, every single month into a savings account for an emergency, right? They don't have any emergency funds. So God forbid, you know, the brakes go out on their car. And this is why a lot of people complain. They don't have money. They're not putting money away for an emergency. They're not saving. So that, you know, that's the big thing is that, you know, a lot of Americans don't save. And then they complain when, you know, a refrigerator breaks, they have to go buy another refrigerator. Their AC unit breaks and it costs a couple thousand dollars or their brakes go out and they need new brakes in the car or tires, which are like, you know, if, if the cheapest you can probably get is like $400 for tires, um, depending on, you know, what kind of car you have. But the point being is that's why people complain they don't have money is they're not preparing in advance for future emergencies. And they're playing the helpless victim card when that happens. When they go, I don't have enough, I don't have enough money for that. Pay me more money. And people demand to be paid more money when they can't even get the amount of money that they have on hand in order. And that's the part that I'm trying to get to you is you have to stop uh, blaming other people and start trying to build responsibility for yourself with discipline. So that's, you know, I can give you an example of myself because I like doing examples for myself. Uh, the one that I can give you is my car accident. So the car accident happened because I was careless and I didn't, you know, I probably wasn't really paying attention at the time. If I could, you know, try to go back. I don't remember a lot of things within that accident to be hundred percent honest with you, but I'm just, you know, I probably wasn't paying as close of attention if uh, the way the accident happened. So instead of blaming the guy for stopping in the road, which, you know, I, I still, um, you know, in a sense, you know, kind of want to, to blame on just cause naturally that's what I kind of want to go to. But in reality, it probably was my fault. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because if I was more of an aware driver, I should have been able to avoid that no matter if cars were swerving out of my way, uh, no matter if uh, traffic just came, came to a random halt. I should have been able to brace myself and I should have been a little bit more aware of the surroundings. 
So that's where I could have taken more responsibility and avoided what happened to me. Now, I didn't have, at the time, I didn't have, um, I didn't have really any money to go get another car, which was, you know, my, my problem. Now, I can't really remember why I didn't have that much money in my savings account, only for the fact that I was probably trying to like do expenses for like medical and stuff like that. But I, you know, I don't really have a good explanation why I didn't really have a lot of money at the time in my savings. It probably was because I didn't have the mentality like I have right now where I'm like, I got to save a lot of money, save, 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 save cut expenses, save, 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 be a little bit more conservative over here um, and try to do this. I probably just didn't have the mentality and I wasn't saving as, as disciplined as I am now. But I also have more income now than I did back then. So it's a little bit harder for me to save $100 a month, right? Now it's a little bit more easier. I, I tend to have a little bit more money in my pocket so I can put a little bit more money aside. Now, um, so that's one example. I wasn't really prepared for that and I could have been more prepared. Now I'm way more aware. Right now, after I had the accident, which, you know, some people are like, oh, you just had a little accident. I had a major accident. I had, you know, I flipped my car. Um, it, it was, it was terrible. If I could show you the pictures and, you know, I have the technology to do it, I'd show you the pictures and stuff. But I, you know, I flipped my car. My car was completely total and I had to go get a new car. And then I ran into like financial issues, you know, all these different doctors and medical bills come into my house and I couldn't, you know, I, I was in a, in a, in a position where I was like, I don't have the money to do this. Like, I don't, you know, I was stressed out. I did, you know, I was kind of a couple points where I was just like really pissed and I kind of quit on myself for, you know, like maybe 10, 15 minutes and realized it's not going to help me in my situation. So I had to go and get another job. That's actually what motivated me enough to go and get another job because my bills started, you know, piling up and I'm like, I can't do it on the amount of money I'm making every single year. So I got to go get another job and increase my income as best I possibly can. Well, I got this job that I'm at right now. Now, um, so you know, I don't regret any of that stuff because that stuff made me who I am talking to you right now. And at the same time, it got me enough courage to be like, hey, this is too much. I got to go do something and get out of this situation. So I ended up getting another job instead of staying in the same okay environment, um, not really progressing in skills and stuff and making more money and, um, you know, the 360 perspective of it. And it encouraged me enough to go and get it and get the job I'm at right now. Now, the, the point that I'm trying to make on this is that, you know, it was my fault, right? In reality, even though I kind of, I kind of want to blame the other person, it was my fault because I wasn't aware or attentive enough where I, I could have avoided the accident. Now, try to give you one more example, going to the next topic. Um, the other one would be, think for a second, only thing I can think of off the top of my head, because like, a, you know, this is all live, would be... I had a situation, I had a situation, all right, here's a good situation. I blamed a long, 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 long time on my first ever relationship. I, I talk about these two examples a lot, only for the fact that, um, you know, these are big crucial elements or, or crucial crises that happened to me in my life that caused me to go in a certain direction and changed me for the individual that you're seeing right now. So uh, and when I got in, you know, my first ever relationship, I put all the, you know, put all the eggs in one basket with the one person and I wasn't really focused on myself, didn't have any drive really for myself, doing certain things with one individual, range marriage happened, things went south, and I kind of went into this depression spiral and I was very, very angry at the world that that individual, when in reality, I couldn't see that it was really me, right? It was, it was my fault for doing what I did and sticking around and, you know, certain other elements that I, I caved into because... I, uh, you know, was fully committed to this other person. Now, 
And when I was so angry, I just blamed other people for everything. I'm like, well, it's this person's fault. It's this person's fault, not my fault, right? Because I was just in this really, really low point in my life. And what I had to realize was I had to stop blaming other people and start blaming myself to the point where I could start working on things. Because in reality, what happens, to be honest with you, is you start blaming other people, you can't, you can't fix other people. So here's the big, big, big crucial part about this topic is you start blaming other people. It's his fault. It's their fault. It's that. It's this. It's the reason I'm like this because of this. You don't have any control to change it. So what ends up happening is you can't change other individuals. You can try. Uh, you, you can. I'm sorry to tell you, you can't change other people. I've tried it thousands upon thousands of times. It's it. The reason it's not possible is because that person physically doesn't want to change. They like who they are. They're comfortable. They don't want to go and move. So what ends up happening is you waste all your energy trying to change that person and you can't move forward. So the reason you don't do what, what I'm saying and you put, you know, put all the blame on other people is you can't change other people. If you put the blame back on yourself, you have more control to change the outcome in the situation because now you can change your environment, you can change yourself, and you can start helping yourself. And once you start helping yourself, you can start helping other people um, there's a lot of examples I, I would love to give you um, on that point, helping other people and it coming back around. I, there's just a couple examples uh, that I'm thinking about that I don't think those other people would want me sharing. They're just personal things. So I can't really share those types of things with you just because um, I, you know, so, some of it might be embarrassing for the person. So I don't want to say anything. But I've had incidents where this happened where once I started fixing myself, people came to me for help. Because they saw that I was doing better for myself. I'm going and doing this. Oh, wow, yo, you're winning these awards. You're doing this. And so they started asking for advice. So they started, you know, asking for this. And I helped them. And they were just really appreciated. And, and um, they gave me something back in return, which, you know, I wasn't expecting. But they did because of the gratitude that I gave them. So, you know, that's kind of what I'm trying to get at with this whole topic. Now, that's take responsibility and don't blame others. Now, we're going to go into the second topic. The second topic is going to be have a voice for yourself. Now, you know, this one might be self-explanatory too, but a lot of people are scared to voice their own opinions. People are very scared, uh, especially now, you know, now at times where, you know, it's, it, they talk a lot about the country being divided into, you know, left and right and, and all this stuff, politically speaking. And, you know, a lot of people are kind of scared to voice their opinions on things because they think it's going to link them into this group where someone's going to judge them in this way. And, the reason I created goals and updates was because I really wanted a voice, right? I tend to speak my mind. I speak my thoughts a lot. And I figured, you know, the best way to, to kind of do it would be to do a podcast and get my voice out there because for a long, long time, I was kind of the person where I just kept to myself, kept to myself, kept to myself. And it took me a while to build confidence and talk to other people and understand that, you know, even though maybe these people are, are politically different from me and maybe they view things a little bit different, there's normally some type of common ground you can find in the middle. Or, you know, as, as long as you're showing them that you're a good individual and that you believe this because of this and you're, and you're being honest and you're saying certain things, most people respect the honesty. Most people don't like fake people. Most people don't want you to, to you know, BS them or go down a different um, route that you're going to try to manipulate and trick them. And so when I started kind of, um, putting, you know, who I was out there and sort of making kind of a stance for myself and sort of trying to get more involved in different things and meet new people. And, you know, it, like I, like I've said, uh, you know, a couple of times on different podcasts uh, or episodes for me, it's really, really hard for the fact that, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty right wing, uh, for most people, you know, that are probably watching this, I'm pretty far to the right. I, I mean, my beliefs go pretty like far as 95%. And there's some stuff that, you know, it's, it's debatable with the left. But my point being is that I'm in a, you know, I'm in Coral Springs, Florida. So for anyone that doesn't know that, it's pretty far south. You know, it's pretty south Florida, you know, pretty uh, only like an hour, maybe an hour and 20 minutes from Miami. And so, you know, obviously all that area is, is a lot of it's uh, more left wing. Broward County in, in general is very left wing or Democratic or Democrat mostly. So I, it tends, you know, my beliefs tend to, when I tell people certain things, they don't agree with it. And they kind of try to, th- you know, they try to throw a curveball at me for what I, what I try to, you know, tell them my beliefs are in certain things. So where they get into these heated debates. Now, what happened was for a long time, I, you know, I would say certain things and people would be kind of pissed at me. So I kind of kept to myself. I wasn't really talkative. And I started realizing was, you know, if I don't step up to the plate and start telling people who I am and start going for what I want, people are just going to put me in a corner and people are going to basically make the decisions for me because I'm not going to have enough courage to speak up and they're just going to make decisions for me. And what I realized is I had to start getting a voice. And, you know, that's why I kind of created goals and updates. And I really want to do a lot more co-hosting. Uh, so if you're interested, you know, reach out to me and I'll, and I'll try to we'll schedule something for a co-host session and you could, you could be a co-host. Now, the point that I, you know, why I really did goals and updates too with the co-hosting and why I want to get more people on here as a co-host is I want more people to have a voice. I want more people to have opinions. I want more people to... Um, I want to hear your opinions, by the way, too. Like the most interesting, the most interesting thing for me is listening to other people and and listen to their opinions. And I've spoken to a lot of different people that you know, if they, I normally don't talk to them about politics unless they bring up politics to me because I know if they're bringing it up to me, it's it's normally like a fifty fifty or it's probably more of like a seventy percent chance they're probably going to let me speak. They're not going to get a, that too you know too much emotional with it. They're going to, they're going to really listen to you and you're going to be able to listen to them and you're going to be able to understand why that person thinks the way they think. And they'll understand why you're thinking a certain way. And what you tend to tend to see is that you actually agree on a lot of different things. Some things you obviously will disagree with, but other, a lot of things like I, I tended to agree with a lot of different people. And um, even though they kind of registered on something else or whatnot, you know, we came, you know, it, it, we could talk, sit down, have a conversation, and it would be reasonable, and, and we wouldn't really be at each other's throats. I've had a couple, obviously, a couple of incidents where people like wanted to rip my throat out, and I'm just like, I'm like, I don't understand. I'm just, I'm just telling you what my beliefs are and what I'm thinking, and I, you know, I'm not coming at you for your beliefs or what you, you know, what you really believe in. But anyways, my uh, my point with it is, I want to give more people a voice, and um, I realized at a really, really young age that if I didn't speak up for myself, other people were going to make, make the choices for me. And that's kind of what started happening was people put me in different groups or people put me in here and people said I could do this, but I couldn't do that. And I wanted to prove a lot of people wrong. So that's why, you know, I started done deal investments. I started doing Toastmasters to go and speak in front of large, large audiences. And same thing with the podcast goals and updates. You know, I want to reach a large amount of people and I want more discussions. I want more people to come on this show and, and speak their opinions and talk about whatever they want to talk about and have more of a voice and share their goals and their updates. And uh, that's kind of, you know, that's what this show is really about. That's what I'm trying to get it to now. Um, so that's having a voice or have a voice for yourself. And I, I just know so many people that they won't speak up because they're just scared. 
right? I just know a lot of people that won't speak up, uh, you know, not even that, you know, that they're Republican or whatnot, and they just think people are just going to tell them no or whatever. A lot of people are just scared of rejection overall. It doesn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican or, um, you know, what gender you are or whatever, but a lot of people are just terrified of being rejected. People just don't want to speak, and then people, like, boom off a stage, or people go, screw you, I hate you, and they don't even know the person. They just heard them talk for five or ten minutes, right? People are just generally just want to be accepted, and that's kind of something that I learned is why I didn't speak up because I just wanted people to like me. I just wanted people to under, you know, like me, and I just kind of agreed with a lot of people, and I sometimes I didn't really agree with them. I was really on a different point of view on it, and if I said something, they would kind of, you know, ridicule me for it, and it just made me feel terrible about myself, and I'm like, I don't understand, like, I just look at it different and this person can't see it. So, you know, I started, I started realizing all that stuff. Now we're going to go into Dundee investments really quick right now. So that topic was have a voice for yourself. Now Dundee investments, LLC, where the deal is already done is a company where I built and it's designed to take a distressed seller or just a seller in general that wants to sell the property extremely fast for a quick cash offer and sell it within a week with a investor. So I'm creating the deal. So that's why it's called where the deal is already done. Cause we're taking a, a seller and we're taking an investor and we're putting them together on the deal. And my job with done deal investments is to make sure everything goes smoothly for the investor and especially the seller and just make sure that um, any resources that the seller needs that you have the resources to get the job, you know, get that deal going, get it done, make sure everything's running smooth and if you need like a home inspector, you need real estate agents, uh, you need anything outside of selling your home, that's going to be my job to make sure I, I try to give you the best resources that I could possibly find or my connections that I have within myself um, and just give you something where you can get on to the next level. So that's that's basically the whole point of done deal investments is taking a distressed seller. What's up, Vanessa? Taking a distressed, or a distressed seller and taking an investor and putting them on the deals. That's done deal investments. Now, how this will work for, you know, what type of problems people will have is if you have liens on your property. Now, the liens are, the city will issue you liens. And normally what happens is over time, it accumulates interest. So like every single day, they'll tack on a certain amount of money. And let's say you couldn't afford the ticket or the lien at first. Now it's a month later, a couple of weeks later, and now it's racked up and you, now you definitely can't get it and pay that off. That's where done deal investments would help you out and just buy the property and then help you get into the next one. And what's up? What's up, Vanessa? And so anyways, so that that would be, you know, one example. The other one would be a job transfer. Job transfer is just obviously as explanatory as it is, is where you go and maybe you have opportunity in another state or another country, or even maybe you're just trying to go to the next city down and you have to move so it's more accessible and you got to sell that property extremely fast. That's where done deal investments would help you. Other one would be um, if uh, you have a lot of property maintenance. So, you know, most people try to clean up the property, invest some money into it, and then try to sell it for full market value. You might not have the resources to do that or the money or the capital. So Dundee Investments will buy it as is. You don't have to, you know, let's say you need a new water heater, you need a new roof, you need flooring, your pool's really bad and, and, and black. Uh, it, it doesn't matter. We'll buy the property as is and we'll sell it to the investor and the investor will flip it and he'll buy it at the rate of what the property's worth. So that's the cool part about Dundee Investments. So that's a uh, property maintenance. 
Other one would be like uh, divorce. Uh, we're at a time right now where like divorce is like 48%. I don't know if it's shifted in the last you know year or two, but last time I've seen it, it was like 48. Um, and this is, you know, normally when you're going through that, it's a very traumatic emotional situation and you have to split everything normally 50-50. So this is a good way to sell the property really fast and then just split it 50-50 and then you both go your, your own way with the, with the property. Property is probably the most... Um, the property itself is probably the most difficult one to get through because obviously items you could just split or split the cost. The, the home is a little bit more challenging because you got to sell that on the market and the market itself might be, you know, it might take them like three or four weeks and you're sitting on there and you just want to get the deal done. So this is a good way to do that too. Now, uh, the other one I can think of is like if you inherited a property from a loved one that passed away. Now, this is something where you know, sometimes people come across and they inherited the property. And most of the time, it's an elderly person where, you know, they're older and they just by natural causes end up leaving, you know, die. And what ends up happening is they don't really take care of the property. So this is something that done deal investments could do and just sell it fast and then give you the cash offer uh, where there's a lot of property maintenance on it. And you just, you're like, I don't want to invest capital into this. I don't have it. And, you know, I already have a home and I don't really want this second property. You just Done deal investments will sell it for you in the next week. They'll just sell it to you fast with an investor. So um, now there's other cases, but I'm going to try to go and, and move along here. So how this works is a three-step process that I call the three steps to financial freedom. The first step is you have to contact done deal investments some way, shape, or form. And it's never been easier because we're on like we're on every different outlet. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can email us at uh, dundealinvestments at outlook.com. You can go and um, call us, which I do prefer, by the way, which is uh, 954-857-6450. You can even text that number and we'll work with you. Um, I did email. You go to the website, which is dundealinvestment.com and just fill out a form and we'll contact you. So there's plenty of ways you can do it. The reason I recommend the phone is just because uh, I'm going to have to ask you some questions. They're going to be basic, basic questions. It's just going to be, you know, what problem you're trying to solve, you know, what problem can done deal investments help you get out of, like why you're selling it, uh, and then the condition of that property. So I get a better understanding of what I'm working with and I can um, try to go get an investor as fast as possible. Now, the second step would be we have to set up an appointment for me to come to your property and I have to do a walkthrough where I go and I uh, jot down what's wrong with the property. So you have leaks, you got mold, you got roof damage, your pool needs to be, you know, fixed. Anything that's a maintenance cost to the investor, I have to jot down and report it to the investor so he knows that he's on the same page and what he's walking into. The other thing I'm going to do too is take five pictures inside and five pictures outside your property. So it's going to be a, a total of 10 pictures. Now, the reason I'm collecting all this data, taking pictures, is so when I go and find you an investor, I just send it all through the, the internet. So email, I can email them, I can text them this information. And what it does is I go through my preset list and I go, okay, this person would probably want to buy this property. So I'm going to contact this person that's on my list. And if I can't find anyone, it's my job to go and find you another investor, right? So if I don't have anyone that previously on my list that wants to buy that type of property, I can go and find you another one. And it's, it's, it's pretty easy to go and do that from, for at least from my business point of view. So anyways, that's something that um, that I'd have to do. I have to report all this stuff. And what it's doing is it's it's minimizing all the foot traffic. Because if anyone's ever tried to sell a property on like the MLS, or if you're trying to go through a real estate agent, 
they have to do open houses. They show your house. You have all this foot traffic. A lot of people hate it because they're still living in the property. And what ends up happening is they have to try to schedule around their work schedule. And someone has to be home to let the real estate agent in. All, you know, all these little things that Dundee Investments will cut that middleman out and just be able to just get an investor quick on the deal that already wants to buy the deal and then you know buy the deal and, and move forward into the next next stage of the process. So that's a big step. Now, step three, which is the final step, would be now I my company would have to go and look up how much your property is worth. So this is what we call running comps. We go in and try to take the three closest houses to your neighborhood and we just try to get an average cost. From the average cost, we just deduct the whatever it's gonna take to you know basically put your property in mint condition for that investor. And the bottom price is what we're gonna negotiate on. So what's gonna happen is once we come to once we do the negotiating and you know you go, okay, we agree on this price, we agree on these terms. I put it into a contract where you'll sign, I'll sign for done deal investments, and the investor will sign. So it's just a contract that's just basically saying, okay, we agreed on this price. The terms are X, Y, and Z. You got to stay in the house for another three weeks to go find another property, or you have to do X, Y, and Z before you can get out of the property and sell it. Um, now, the other cool thing too is, let's say you don't want to sell the property, you just want to, you know, you want to get out of the financial condition and keep your property. I also have um, another resource for you, which is a different contact where I'm pretty sure how that person's going to do it is they're going to buy your home. They're still going to, you're still going to have to negotiate the price. They're going to buy your property for what it's worth, you know, average price, deduct the cost, everything. But what they're going to do is you're going to rent from them and you're going to basically rent until you buy out how much the property was worth once they put all the money in and everything. So that's just another thing or another resource for you guys in case you don't want to sell your property and you're like, oh, I don't want to sell my property. I just want to get out of this financial, this financial issue or crisis. I have another resource where that will work for you. Now, the, um, the next thing I can give you, um, not the next thing, but the so once everyone signs on the deal, this is, this is how it works. Seller will obviously get the cash offer and done deal investments will give them any of the resources they need property, um, investor, uh, not investor, I'm sorry, home inspector, real estate agent, financing, whatever they need, Dundee Investments will then go and help them a little bit further on throughout their, you know, buying process. Investor will obviously win on the deal because he wants to, what's up, Sean? What's up, Ashma? He wants to obviously go and flip the property and make some money on the deal with his capital or his, his income. He wants to go and flip it. He's going to try to flip it on the market and make a profit on it. So that's why the investor is going to be want to, you know, buy the property and get on the deal. Dundee investments will obviously make a little bit of money on the deal, which is called commission and what we call a finder's fee. How that basically works is that the investor will pay us. This is the cool part about it. Investor will pay us, not the seller. So, and a lot of people get tricked, you know, tripped out over this because they're like, well, you're buying it from the seller. Why would the seller not pay you? Uh, how would the investor pay you? The reason the investor is paying us is because we're basically passing the deal over to him and we're giving him control of the deal. So we're making him money. He's paying us for the deal. So that's kind of what's cool is the investor will pay and the seller does not have to worry about commission fees. And this is a big thing with the real estate agents is most people try to sell it on the market with the real estate agent. The market is saturated with real estate agents. 
and they can't, it takes them like a month, a month and a half, and you're waiting and waiting and waiting. And sometimes you don't get the best real estate agent, doesn't really show off your house well. Um, a lot of different moving parts with that. Plus they take a heavy, heavy commission fee once they sell it because they have to pay their brokerage, they have to go and pay themselves. So this is something where you don't have to worry about paying Dundee Investments, we'll get the money from the investor. Now, um, so that's the, like, probably the coolest part about the whole entire process. You don't have to worry about, you know, oh, how am I going to pay him? How am I going to do this? Um, that's, that's the cool part. Now, if you're asking, how are we getting the money? Like, where's the money coming from? The money's coming from your equity. So that's another issue where if you owe too much money on your property, it's something that I personally probably can't help you with. Now, I don't know if my other connection can help you where they're going to buy your property and you rent from them until you buy out what they've put into the property. But I know at least for me, if there's not enough equity, I can't really get an investor on the deal because there has to be some type of money exchange in order for the service to take place. That, you know, that's the whole point of why the investors come in in the deal. It's kind of, you know, that's how my business stays afloat is we have to make a profit and help other people in, in the making. So you don't have enough equity in the room, which, you know, obviously I'll, I'll tell you if there's not enough equity or whatever, you know, if you come to me with your deal or your problem and I start going through the deal, I'll let you know if I can or can't help you because of the equity room within your equity line of, of, of your home. So if you don't know what that is, uh, let me know and I'll explain to you what equity is. I'm pretty sure a lot of people know what equity equity is in a home, but if you don't, I mean, I'm, I'm totally open to discussing that with you. But anyways, that's how everyone wins. Now, what I really want to do with Dundee Investments when I expand it to different outlets is I want it to be a one-stop shop, meaning that once I help the distressed seller or I help the seller, I can then open it up to different people. So I can then help investors. I can then help sellers further down the line, meaning we'll have financing, we'll have uh, our own home inspection team, we'll have our own real estate agent team, we'll have all these different resources where you have to physically go through with, you know, five or six other companies when you're buying a home. And we're going to cut down the home buying process. And we're going to open it up to more, you know, help more, uh, more resources for investors, we're going to have more resources for sellers. And it's going to basically cut out a lot of the middleman and have it all in one place. So Normally when you go and buy a home, it's a lengthy process. A lot of people hate it because it's long. It's almost like buying a car, but worse because what happens is um, you go and you go through a real estate agent. Now the real estate agent can't inspect the home. They got to go through a third party to go and do it. So they go and get another company to inspect the home. Then once everything clears with that, you're like, okay, I want to buy this home. It's a good investment. Then what happens is now you have to go and get financing, which most people go to a bank or some type of mortgage lender or a investor that specializes in mortgages and will lend you out money for a mortgage for a, you know, a certain rate of interest and return. This is where it gets a little, you know, it's, it's, that's why it's so delayed. It's such a delay in buying properties is because there's so many different companies that have to work in and there's so many different niches that have to be involved. And if we could cut that out and just put everything in where you're just going down the line with the buying process, we'll cut that buying process down in half. And we'll help investors because we'll have financing if they need financing on the deal. All these different things where um, we can help, you know, investors and especially sellers. There's not a lot of resources for sellers. The only thing that is really out there is money lenders um, or people that lend you money. And most of the time you try to go to a bank, the bank doesn't really help you. They're kind of, you know, they're kind of stingy giving out uh, mortgages. That's why a lot of you have to go through a lot of these private lenders and they'll give you, um, you know, the loan or the mortgage. but Normally what typically happens is then you go and get, go to the bank and then you're in, you know, you're in trouble. You're treading wa deep waters 
and the bank won't help you. They'll just be like, well, we gave you the money. It's your job to get yourself out of here and your job to do whatever. And it's not really our problem. We'll just get the property back if you don't pay your mortgage on time. And by law, we could just take the, you know, take all your money and resell this house and make even more money that you lost. So banks don't really care to help you out. So that's why I kind of created Dundee Investments LLC to give another resource to those homeowners or those property owners. Now, that's what I want to do with Dundee Investments. Expand it, help investors, help sellers, help a lot of different, um, you know, different depart, uh, not departments, uh, niches within, you know, property investing. And that's why it's also called Dundee Investments. Because most people are like, what is Dundee Investments? You invest in stock markets, you invest in this. No, we're investing in properties. And eventually we're going to scale it to the point where we're really investing in helping investors, we're helping more sellers. So anyone that wants to just buy properties. And that's the that's the whole thing with Dundee Investments. Now, um, I think that's basically it. I'm going to wrap this up because we're on an hour and 12 minutes. And I try to I try to keep them under a, an hour and 30 if everything goes smooth, which it did. So we're going to wrap this one up. So my name is Tyler Dunn with Dundee Investments LLC, where the deal is already done. This was episode 80, or I'm sorry, 98 of Goals and Updates. Uh, stay tuned. We're about to, I'm going to do another one tomorrow to make up for Monday. And we're about to hit the 100th episode, which is pretty awesome. So for anyone that's you know new, that's pretty exciting for me. And um, yeah, so have a good rest of your week. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to change the time. I forgot to do this in the updates, but I'm going to change the time to 7.30 now uh, for the for the fact that you know I get I get here right at seven and then I try to eat and I try to get something going. So I'm not, you know, I'm not, not energized because the energy is the food. So, so I'm going to try to do that and we're going to move it to seven 30 every Monday and Wednesday. So stay tuned. Appreciate everyone that listened. Have a great rest of your week. See you tomorrow at seven 30 sharp. Peace. Uh, if you need, you know, like a home inspector, real estate agents, financing, whatever you've got to need to move on to the next uh, property. You have to let me know so that I can get the investor on the same page. It's like the whole, that's the most important part with Dundee Investments too is it's my job to make sure that you, myself, and the investor are on the same page, that the investor knows exactly what's going on in the deal and that, you know, he's making, you know, I'm making sure that he's working for you and that he's not just working for himself, that, you know, each party's benefiting out of the deal and not just one party. That's, that's really my uh, main job. So that's really kind of like step two going into step three. Now, once everyone agrees on the terms, the price, and you know how we're going to set up this deal, we then all have to sign the contracts. This is where step three comes in. So step three now is the seller signs the contract. I sign the contract for done deal investments and the investor signs the contract. And then from here, basically how each party benefits is obviously the seller will get the negotiated price for the property. So we'll get the cash. He'll go and be able to buy another property and he'll get out of the financial situation that he was in. So most of these, these issues or financial uh, crises would be, um, you know, it, it would affect their credit. So like pre-foreclosure is a good one because pre-foreclosure would definitely affect your credit. Like if you lost your house, it means that you couldn't, you know, keep up with your payments and all that stuff is reported back to the credit, the credit bureaus. And that would screw up your credit. So if we could buy out your mortgage, right? Buy out the rest of your, your mortgage, the money that you owe, and still give you a little bit of a cash offer, you know, it's better than you going into debt and filing bankruptcy or, you know, screwing up your credit and not being able to go get another property or whatnot, right? 
So that's the that's the idea of, of this is that person, the seller, or the person that needs to get out of the financial situation benefits the cash offer and not affecting his credit. And then he'll also get resources from Dundee Investments, like references that I can go and give you. So you can go get a real estate agent, you can go get finance, you can go do whatever you need to do. Now, the investor obviously benefits because he's going to flip the property with his own capital, and then he's going to sell it on the market for full market value, and he's going to make a profit off of the deal. Now, Dundee Investments will obviously make a little bit of money on the deal, and that's going to be what we call a commission fee or a finder's fee from the investor because the investor is going to pay Dundee Investments for putting the deal together and giving him the rights to the deal, right? So that's why they call it like a finder's fee or that's it's commission, but they call it a finder's fee because I put the deal together. I found the seller, found the investor, put them together on a deal and I gave the deal to the investor. Now, um, how, and that's the other thing too, real quick. The cool part about it is the seller does not have to pay Dundee Investments. It's going to come from the investor. So that's kind of a cool thing too, is like, not like a real estate agent, a real estate agent would take a certain portion of that commission from that deal and you would lose money on the deal. This is kind of like, we're just giving you the cash and you're not, you're not, you know, you're not paying the commission fee. So that's, what's really cool about the whole thing. Now I'm trying to think if I can give you any insight, but so that's basically done deal investments, how it works, you know, who it works for, what, what my company is designed to do. Give me one sec what my company is designed to do. And um, if you have any questions, just reach out to us with whatever way you're comfortable, uh, you know, whatever way you're comfortable basically reaching out and contacting us. So that's what my business does. Now I'm trying to scale it. So it's a one-stop shop where I can have um, home inspections. I can have a real estate agent team. I can have financing ready, but the whole point is to make it so that it's not just open to distressed sellers or uh, financial conditions, even though it still would work for that because it's a one-stop shop for those individuals. It's it's going to be for property owners and investors and people that want to scale. And what I'm going to try to do, which is going to take time because all of these are niches. It's all different, you know, different categories. I got to go get licensing for different ones and make sure I'm licensed properly and insured. But it's basically going to be for property owners and it's going to cut down the time for the home buying process. And what I want to do is, uh, you know, that's, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a one-stop shop. So, you know, if you've ever bought a property, right, you normally would have to go find a real estate agent. They'd find you the property and then you got to go to another company, get a home inspector to inspect that property. Then you got to go to a bank or a different company, get financing and so on and so on. And you end up going through four or five different companies just to buy one property, right? Just to get a property. And I want to cut that down where even though you're going to go, you know, a lot, some of this stuff might be third party elements like financing. And by the way, like even Dundee Investments, once it gets to a certain point, can even be a financer and give out loans and stuff like that, right? Because it's part of investing. So, but you know, for the most part, when we probably start that off, it's probably going to be third parties. That's, that's what I was thinking about, like third parties. But my point being is I want to make it so it cuts down the home buying process, but it also gives resources to investors as well as helping individuals, you know, get out of financial situations. So there's like kind of three components that I want to eventually get to, uh, you know, strengthening the ties with investors, strengthening the ties with uh, distressed sellers, but also strengthening a market for, uh, 
just regular property owners, like people that just, you know, maybe they're starting a family or they're trying to move on to the next stage of life and they want to go buy a property. That's kind of where I want to go towards is that direction where I'm helping those property um, buyers and property owners and just make it so it's not as complicated as, you know, a lot of a lot, like the home buying process is not an easy process. A lot of people struggle with it because they don't teach you anything about home buying. So that's kind of like a resource where um, everyone eventually dabbles into, eventually comes a property owner, but no one really tells you how. It's almost like credit. Like everyone just kind of tells you the basics of credit, but there's so much more to credit and credit cards and just credit overall that, you know, most people struggle with it because there's so much information about it and everyone handles it the wrong way because they have the wrong information on it. So that's kind of what I want to do with this company is trying to make it so it's more accessible to, you know, average people, people that are just trying to basically, you know, buy property and just live, you know, just live like a normal life basically. So help investors as well, because obviously if you help the investors, then it's possible to expand done deal investments. But at the same time, you know, I'm very pro business. So I want to be able to help, you know, form partnerships and, you know, create a, create big business basically. So that's kind of what I want to do with done deal investments. Now, um, if you have any questions on those, like I'm definitely happy to you know sit down with you. If you want to be on goals and updates, if you want to be a co-host, definitely reach out to me. It doesn't you can reach out to my personal stuff on that. You don't have to do Dundee investments. Not really like too much related to Dundee investments, goals and updates. But um, if you just want to be a co-host, reach out to me. If you want to learn more about Dundee investments, reach out to me. You know, go to our website for more information on that. There's a lot of information over there. We got blogs. We got uh, you know my social media pages, which might explain a little bit more. I try to do. Um, steps better. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm working hard out here. So show me some support, show me some love. And, uh, if you want to listen to the audio versions from episode one to seven from goals and updates, uh, you can go to goals and updates.podbean.com. All right. So that's that I'm going to work on uh, updating that. And then I'll update you guys when I have, uh, you know, the YouTube, uh, playlist going and stuff like that. So stay tuned. Uh, we're going to do another episode Wednesday. And I'm probably going to start making these episodes at like 7.30. Uh, just because like, you know, I'm getting back late and it's it's kind of like I don't have enough time to set up everything and move forward quick enough at 7. So I'm going to probably be more at 7.30, which I got to start, you know, updating those cards or the like the uh, the thumbnails or the pictures. So this has been episode 96 of Goals and Updates. I appreciate everyone. My name's Tyler Dunn with Dunn Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Peace.